go have fun with, I think it's Frank and Jan. Yes, Frank and Jan, that is a fun duo. Uh, anybody want to preach? I'm going to go hang out with the fun duo. Okay. No, not really. Nope, nope. All right, not really. But hey, happy Thanksgiving. We're still, we're still in that Thanksgiving mode. It's still that week. Honestly, we should always be thankful, but let's not impose some legalism here already in the introduction. Like, let's wait till at least point one or point two, right? Let's let's just hammer that, that legalism home to always be thankful. No. So let's play a game this morning. You see, it's a six-point sermon, and you're already like, dang, that's gonna be, that, that's gonna be a while. How many reasons to be thankful do you think I have in here? And blurt out a number, and I'm going to say higher or lower. Six. Higher. Twenty. Higher. Fifty. All of them. All of them? Oh, yeah, yeah, no. No a number. Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Higher. Forty-five. Lower. Forty. Higher. Forty-four. Lower. Lower. 41. 41. Well, I'm, I'm going to level with you. Carmen nailed it down right there. She, she said 40 and then 45, and then it's like, now we know we're close. <laughs> and so I could be wrong in my counting, and I've been wrong before, and I could be wrong again. Some of them are relatively repeats in a sense. But at the same time, I was pretty impressed with the Lord <laughs> working out 41 reasons to be thankful in these nine verses. So, yeah. Are you ready? You got your theological seatbelts on? You strapped in? You ready? We're not going not gonna to lose, fall off our chairs? No? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, certainly thank you for this morning. Thank you for the snow. Uh, we're, our hearts and our minds are with those that you know, couldn't make it this morning for whatever reason, but certainly, Lord, we know that they are in your minds and your blessings. But we, as your church, that have come together, use this time, bless us well, tune our hearts and our minds to your will, and certainly, Lord Jesus, as always, may this be for your glory and our good as your people. So we love you, and it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 1 through 9. What page was that again, Chris? 1085. 1085. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I treat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. Did you get all 41 of the reasons to be thankful in those nine verses just by reading it? No? No? A lot of head shaking? Not so much? You only got eight? Okay. <laughs> well, better tune your ears. <laughs> So these standalone sermons, uh, as I've been doing them, it's very easy with the Psalms because they're very standalone. But when you go to chapter four of Philippians, there's a lot that's happened in the first three chapters and whatnot. But very simply for ease of mind, know that this letter in and of itself is called a letter of joy. And it's very hard to believe that it would be considered a letter of joy because Paul's in jail as he's writing it. I don't know many people who would consider being in jail a joy and suffering and having hardships. But, lo and behold, Jesus changes lives, and Paul is certainly one of those lives that Jesus changed. And so Paul is encouraging his brothers and sisters in, in Philippi to go and to stand firm thus in the Lord, as you see. So this is kind of a conclusion to what Paul has said in the first three chapters of this letter. And within, of course, the, the chapters, there's much to talk about. And no, those are not where my 41 reasons for Thanksgiving come from. They literally come just from these verses. And a couple extra, because if you notice in verse 1, there's a therefore. And if you know what a therefore is there for, you've got to figure out what it's there for. If you don't know what it's there for, should I, should I say that again? You got it? Okay. All right. Long, long story short. One more time? No. Whenever there's a therefore, we have to go back and we have to look to see what it's exactly there for. So even though I've got nine verses here, pastor's always got a trick up his sleeve when there's a therefore, because now I'm going to take you back a couple of verses. I'm going to take you back to chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, if you will. Not even the whole paragraph. And 20 and 21 say... But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen. And so the therefore is therefore because of ultimately seeing who Jesus is and what he's done. Again, kind of a, a summary and moving forward, Paul encouraging the church to stand firm in the Lord. So the therefore, ultimately, first and foremost, is the reason why he can say in the first verse of chapter 4, stand firm thus in the Lord. And so if we go back to those two verses, we can see five different blessings or five reasons to be thankful in the first place. The first one in verse 20 is our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. There's a lot of talk, uh, you know, throughout uh, all of the Bible about Israel and sojourners and traveling and wayward people and all of that. And that's exactly what we are until we are the Lord's. And until we officially become the Lord's and then we are his children, we're adopted sons and daughters of the Lord Most High, and we are his 
forever because the sheep hear my voice and they know my name and no one will snatch them out of my hands, that we can see certainly there's something to be thankful for in that because we do have a home. We do have a location. There's a lot to think about in regards to how we're just traveling through this planet right now. But this is just kind of the first tip of the iceberg type of thing. The second part of it is our citizenship's in heaven, but from it we await a savior. A savior. And of course we know that to be our Lord Jesus Christ, whose atoning blood has helped redeem us and restore us back to that right and real relationship with our Father. More than that even, we are being transformed. We are being sanctified in verse 21. Our lowly body to be like his glorious body. And part of that sanctification certainly is God's power, as we see as well in verse 21. Power that enables him to subject all things to himself. And again, just thinking of the reason of gratitude, God's sovereignty in everything, that certainly all things, especially we consider the end of Romans, for from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So five reasons. Our citizenship, our salvation, first and foremost, which should always be kind of the, the arc, the tip of the umbrella, because everything, when we talk about salvation, everything else flows from that. Which is why, as a church body, we always need to be about the salvation that our Lord is about. Because everything else flows from salvation. That's a reason to be thankful. We talk about sanctification. The only reason we can talk about sanctification is because we were saved. We talk about our citizenship in heaven. Well, the only reason we can even be considered adopted sons and daughters is because Jesus saved us. We talk about the power that uh, travels through Jesus that exists within us and the Holy Spirit. Why do we have that in the first place? Well, it's because Jesus saved us. So don't ever like lower our standards for something because we are here about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the salvation for a sinner. If we drop it down to something else, you're missing a lot. Because the way that the webs work starts from the top. And the top is the salvation of a sinner. The soul redeemed, reconciled to a right and real relationship with God. And so, now, therefore, based on this salvation and what we just read in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, and those five different points, again, just repeating it, verse 1, therefore... Stand firm thus in the Lord. He's got you, is really what we could just say in simple terms. And it's that fact that he's got you, no matter what, is another reason to be thankful in and of itself. And so, verse 1, continuing on as well, this is where we get to his church a little bit. That's, that's you guys and me all together, and those that aren't here that are outside these walls that are still Christ's church as well. And so you see Paul say, my brothers, he loves them, he longs for them, they're his joy and his crown, he calls them his beloved in this. In verse 2, he calls them his true companions, they labor side by side together in the gospel, in God's work of salvation for the sinner continues to work in all of those aspects. But isn't that amazing? 
And much like this week, like my furnace went out, I started texting a couple guys, getting things. It's amazing. There's a lot of reasons to love the people in the church. <coughs> and it's not just because they do things for you. Okay, let's, let's be real about that. It's mostly because of the Lord Jesus and how he represents them as well as he represents us individually. And so coming together, if you're special to the Lord Jesus and I'm special to the Lord Jesus, there's certainly something special there. And I think we can put aside whatever differences we may have because certainly we can stand firm thus in the Lord. But that brings us to that second verse of this as well. There's a lot to be thankful for in the church, but I want to tell you something else that you might be like, oh, I don't know how you can be thankful about this. Conflict. Right? Conflict. How can you be thankful about conflict? Look, Euodia and Syntyche wants to urge them to agree in the Lord. Something happened. I don't know what happened. It's kind of irrelevant what happened. It's like, what? Two women fighting in the church? I've never heard of such a thing before in my life. Right? Who, who knew? Who knew that that could happen? But at the same time, of course it happened. And we continue to see that. But these issues of conflict give us opportunities to reconcile. Right? And isn't that what the Lord Jesus ultimately came to do? And part of the bucket of salvation is reconciliation. Because if we weren't restored to the right and real relationship that we have with our Father by the blood of Jesus and the salvation, then Jesus couldn't be our mediator. So again, salvation's at the top. Everything else kind of flows from the bottom, but it drips down from salvation as its core. And so that reconciliation, and especially we know from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Lord gave us the message of reconciliation. He entreats us, in a sense, to go and to reconcile others back to God, to be used in such a way. Not that we can, again, do it ourselves, but we can be used by God to reconcile other people back to him by maybe setting the record straight from that guy who abused them all those years ago with false words and false teachings and whatnot. And so reconciliation, conflict, laboring in the gospel. Look at, they're also in the book of life together. The book of life. That is an amazing thing and something we could probably have at least five sermons on in and of itself. Uh, Revelation speaks heavily about this, but it's also right here in Philippians 2 that Paul explains. And that is what makes all the difference in the world. Much like what I was talking about uh, with us as the church in general. If the Lord Jesus has chosen you and the Lord Jesus has chosen me, then Man, we're pretty special in the first place. And our names are together in the book of life. And it's going to be in the book of life with Paul. It's going to be with Euodia. It's going to be with Syntyche. It's going to be with Clement. I don't know what their last names are, but you know, hopefully they'll introduce themselves when we get to heaven. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Probably just be in awe of the Lord Jesus in the first place and be like, what are all these people doing here? <laughs> No, not at all. But all those fellow workers too. And so, again, more reasons to be thankful. Conflict, reconciliation, laboring in the gospel together, being in the book of life together, the church. Like, again, this is all salvation by grace alone, God's unmerited favor. 
through faith alone, belief or trust that Jesus is who he says he is and that he indeed has fulfilled all the law and the requirements that you know the Lord needs for salvation, his holiness, if you will, and then in Christ Jesus alone. And so while I definitely went over this in a lot of ways, there were 11, and I don't know if you caught them all, and I'm not going to go back and explain them all, but there were 11 reasons to be thankful for our Lord Jesus and his church in these what would amount to five verses altogether when you factor in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. And so we go to point two, which is just one verse in and of itself, certainly not disconnected from any of the other verses in and of itself as well. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And you're like, okay, how can I always rejoice in the Lord? Come on, Eric, I need you to tell me how to do this. I can't do this myself. You need to tell me how to do this. I'm going to tell you very simply. You just heard 11 reasons to be thankful and that you can find joy in the Lord. I can go over this and we can talk about many ways to be glad, but understand this. There were 11 just in those five verses. There's certainly joy in the Lord here when we talk about his salvation, when we talk about his mighty works, we talk about the sanctification, we talk about the Holy Spirit, talk about his church. There are a lot of reasons to be thankful. Keep listening. That's my advice to you. We always have the joy of choosing joy. Hope that makes sense. But we do have that option. Regardless of wherever we find ourselves, we are the Lord's. Even though I may not want to deal with this trial or tribulation that has come my way, I know certainly that my Lord Jesus is with me along the way. And based on that fact, there is always joy in it. Even the hardest times in our lives, doing the things that we never thought we would do, there was still that knowledge of the truth that Jesus is here with me and that he is real and that I am his. And that regardless of this exceedingly difficult circumstance in my life, I'm going to get through it. And then worst case scenario, I'm going to go be with Jesus in heaven. Like, darn. <laughs> you know, so you can see where my motivation to be like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Comes from all the time because I can look and see what is there. So the ability to choose joy in the first place is a reason to be thankful because for the vast majority of people, especially those that don't know Jesus, they just know of Jesus, they don't get that opportunity. They don't get that luxury, if you will, of choosing joy. They just get to see the hardship and they get to deal with the hardship. And then they get to wonder why they're here. And then they have no hope anymore. And then they're frustrated and the list goes on and on. But for us as brothers and sisters in Christ Saved by grace, we have joy at every time that we want it because we know our Lord Jesus and we walk with him. Going on to point three, part of this as well, continuing to build on this. Reasonable new opportunities for us. I'm just going to say reasonableness. I'm going to level with you. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't think anybody really has that to begin with. Like, this whole be reasonable. 
Let your reasonableness to be known to everyone. I have seen a lot of people not be reasonable in my lifetime. But I will also say that this is part of sanctification. This is part of that gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's another reason to be thankful that you do have reasonableness. That you're not so knee-jerk reaction anymore to just, you know, cut people off or to slam them or to hate or to, you know, be condemning of other people as we judge others because we're created in the image of God and that's why we judge. Hey, there's another reason to be thankful too. We're created in the image of God. We're up to 42. Let's keep going, people. <laughs> but uh, so that reasonableness certainly is, is a gift for us. Uh, verse, the last half of verse 5 and verse 6, the Lord is here and at work. And that is certainly a reason to be thankful as well. It says, don't be anxious about anything. I respect that that's hard for a lot of us, but at the same time, it's the truth. We really have nothing to worry about and nothing ultimately to fear. Are we walking in faithfulness to the Lord? And if so, then there's not much there. But again, it's easier to say than it is to do for a sinner. And we need grace all the time, unmerited favor to get through that and to get through that walk. But in an effort to combat that anxiousness, in everything that we do by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so we know about prayer. Prayer is a reason to be thankful too. You realize you have a direct line to the creator of heaven and earth and everything that's in it? That's huge. I think it's something we take for granted. I don't know how to talk. Yes, you do. I promise you, you know how to talk. And that's exactly what prayer is. It's having a conversation with God. And then there does require a time where we don't talk and we listen. The same, same point in that. But it's that next word, supplication. If you remember, that was a big part of Psalm 51 last week. That's the, where the plea comes from because we entreat God. We ask him for something we don't necessarily deserve. And so that's the entreating, that's the supplication, that's a plea, because we don't necessarily deserve it, but we can ask him about it. And again, this goes back to prayer, the blessings of prayer, thanksgiving for that, supplication to be able to ask him, and then of course, thanksgiving in and of itself, and then to be made known to God. It's not that God doesn't already know, but God wants that relationship. God wants those conversations with him. He wants all of you. He created you. He wants all of you. And man, I hope you're willing to give that to him because again, that willingness I find is a gift of God as well because much like Moses, most people aren't necessarily willing and are just wanting God to do what he's going to do without this interaction, without this back and forth. But there is always a back and forth in this. And even though God is sovereign and God can do whatever he wants, that relationship, again, he would be a monster if he made you do things. But there's that willingness within us and that relationship to continue to pursue. Again, another reason to be thankful is that relationship with God. And so the Lord's here and the Lord is always at work. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. In point three, I counted nine different reasons to be thankful here for his life-changing grace and for our new lives in him. 
Verse 7, and the peace of God. This is after you get rid of the anxiety. This is after you talk to God. This is after you make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here's something, too, to think about coming from the top and salvation in and of itself, the first place. There's no way you're going to have the peace of God until you have peace with God. And if we have that peace with God because of what the Lord Jesus has done to mediate and to reconcile our relationship back to God. And so this peace of God that we speak of certainly comes from our reconciliation that we had first, as well as our redemption and being bought back from the slavery of sin that we're in. And so even more amazing than that peace of God, which I would like to call that shalom, the wholeness, because God fills that hole that's missing that we try to fill with everything else in the world. And once we have that peace of God to know who we are, why we're here, what's wrong with the world, we're all going to be okay, where Jesus is, life's going to go on regardless of whether this is you know, going to turn out good or bad. Because again, right or wrong, here's where we're at. And here's our learning opportunity. And here's how we grow in the sanctification process. And so again, bringing it up a little bit, it it is hard to understand because it surpasses all understanding. It's, it's not normal for us. It's not usual for us to have this type of wholeness, this type of completeness within us, which is why that peace of God surpasses all understanding because we don't understand it. When we hear the word peace, we think about war. That's about it when we think about it. Or, or maybe maybe. People talk nice to one another, right? That's peaceful, something to that degree. But in biblical terms, peace is complete. It's about being complete. It's about being who you are, who God made you to be. And let's be real, if you don't have the salvation of God, you're never going to know who you are and who you were supposed to be and what your gifts and abilities and talents are really for. Salvation is the key, always is. But it surpasses all understanding this peace, and it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, which is powerful. Because when those storms hit, those waves come, let's say we're not on the solid rock that is Christ, we're going to get knocked over. We're going to get crushed. We're going to get off balance. Might take a minute or two to set up. But this peace of God, because we have peace with God, we will be standing on that solid rock that is Christ. And regardless of whatever storm comes, we know we're going to be okay. We know God's going to carry us through it. Or if he doesn't carry us through this storm of whatever it is, he's going to carry us home. It's win-win. There is no lose when you're with Jesus whatsoever. It's always a win-win situation. And so guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. The heart is the epicenter of everything that you are, and your mind, unfortunately, is wayward, but your mind is what gives us these opportunities to think and to consider these. I would say your mind, too, is another reason to be thankful, even though sometimes we get locked up there in our minds, and then maybe we're not so thankful. <laughs> 
But ultimately, this peace of God that surpasses all understanding, guards our hearts and our minds in Christ, man, that's a huge reason to be thankful. And ultimately, what I just talked to you about, there were six reasons to be thankful that we have peace with God because we have the peace of God within us. Point five, this one, boy, man, you could spend probably, in fact, I know a gentleman that did eight sermons on these thoughts, what I would call beautiful thoughts. <laughs> in fact, I did. That's what I, named, that's what I named the point. Right. It's fascinating, isn't it? And so whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, simply think about these things. Where do the basis for these qualities come from? That's the first thing that I think about in this. Is it in God, or is it in his creation, or is it in both? I actually think it's probably in both. I think we can think about all these character traits in our Lord Jesus, in and of himself. And I think we can also find things that are honorable, things that are true, things that are just, things that are pure in the world as it's created too. I dare caution us to say it about ourselves because I know the two sides of the coin that all of us are and how in the blink of an eye when something can happen, we can flip a switch and go from side to side. But it makes you wonder too, especially as what we just saw in verse 7, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Is Jesus the focus when your heart and mind are being guarded through the peace of God? And I would say yes. And so to think about these things, and then of course the ability to think, the ability to understand, or even the ability to comprehend God, let alone his godly things. Because to many who don't know Jesus, this world is an accident. It's a fluke. It's a miraculous big bang. Or it went from goo to the zoo to you, in a nutshell. Because it all started from nothing, so to speak. But that doesn't give anybody any dignity. <laughs> that doesn't give anybody any respect. It just says you're an accident and I'm a better accident than you were a better accident. And then we wait, we weigh each other, we judge each other, we hold each other hostage in that. But there are no shortage of beautiful thoughts in this world. I do think about the church many times, in many ways, uh, as a shepherd, as, as the calling for me, and I think about the beautiful things that I've seen. It's very easy for me too, not going to lie, to focus on the negative things of being the church too, and the challenges and the trials and the tribulations that arise from dealing with people, because it's all about people. And so, think about these things. And I say this in two ways. I just want to show you two angles on this school of thought. One, remember who you are in Christ and remember where you're going when you think about these things. And then I also, it's interesting because it's almost like one of those, if you've got a child who's having a fit or a tantrum or something like that, 
You just kind of want to hold them in your arms. You're trying to calm them down, trying to relax. Hey, hey, what's just? What's honorable? Let's think about those things. Whatever's true, let's, let's, let's think about what's true in this hard moment. Let's think about what's honorable in this hard moment. Let's think about things that are just in this hard moment. What is pure in this hard moment? What is lovely? What can be the potential in this hard moment? What is commendable? What is worthy of praise while we continue to go through this very challenging step of our life? And I can see that verse being used like that. And I wonder if part of me, if Paul did that, knowing the congregation, because this, this again, it seems like a very odd type of verse to me in the grand scheme of what Paul is getting at. We're talking about peace. We're talking about the church. We're talking about the conflict between the two ladies and getting out. You know, hey, we're in the book of life together. Let's relax. But maybe this was one of those type of calming type of, you know, verses too. Like, hey, man, let's take a, let's take a step back. Let's take a deep breath. Let's find out where we are uh, again. That opportunity, much like rejoice in the Lord always, is an opportunity that we have at any given moment in time. And not only is there this eight-step plan, but all in all, these are nine more reasons to be thankful based on God's character and his creation in and of itself. And then point six, maybe one of the simplest ones, but one of my favorite ones. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Uh, human examples. Human examples. As an elder or elders to help and protect and to set an example for others. I'm very grateful for those who are examples. And I'm going to say this, and I really do mean it. I'm grateful for both examples that are positive and examples that are negative. Unfortunately, for the vast majority of my life, from many of the men that surrounded me, I learned a lot more what not to do than what to actually do. <laughs> and I think that's probably the story for many of us that we learned from our parents or we learned from teachers or other role models that we had in our lives. I want to re-encourage us. We're not reinventing any type of wheel. You're not here to design the newest, greatest way to praise the Lord. You just need to praise the Lord. It's that simple. But we don't need the newest, fastest, hottest way with the smoke machines and the Fogger 2000 and everything else. And the sparkles and the, 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 yes, and all those things. It's about the simplicity of it. And it's funny when we go to these events and whatnot, too, there's so many people and they're like, all right, what's your gimmick? What's your thing? And I'm like, what do you mean? What's our thing? What's our gimmick? Like, it's Jesus. It's the gospel. It's the Lord. You, you need to know him, right? Everybody needs to know him. Keep it simple. But there are great examples throughout history. You know, as I'm Preaching and studying the word, commentaries have been written. Again, other great examples, whatnot. Now, now, granted, there's a lot of not good examples too, but there are, again, those positive examples. And we can look at both of them and make educated decisions based on the facts of what these you know, other examples have shown us that we can understand. 
And then it says to practice these things. And let's go back again. If you didn't have salvation in and of itself, what are you practicing? <laughs> what are you going to practice? What things? What things are you going to practice? So knowledge of the truth to practice is another reason to be thankful because this would fall on deaf ears, right? Practice these things. What things? I don't know what to practice. Practice being nice? I tried that. That's not for me. <laughs> right? Like, isn't that the, the, the human case and the human story? And so knowledge of the truth to practice to begin with. Then you have the ability to practice, which, again, this is by grace because not only do you have the ability to practice, you have the ability to fail. And you have the ability to not be condemned and to lose your salvation because you failed. Right? And we all need that. And that's a reason to be thankful. But the problem is we don't even practice because we're scared to fail. And it's like, what? That makes no sense. How are you going to get any better if you don't even start? How are you going to learn how to read the Bible if you don't open it? How are you going to learn how to pray if you don't talk? How are you going to, and again, the list goes on and on. And, and again, these aren't legalistic things. These are all things to be thankful for. That we even have the opportunity to do these you know, actions very much so in the first place. And again, the ability to fail and not be condemned and lose your salvation. Man, I tell you what, so many times I've been frozen to even start because I know I'm going to fail because it's not in my wheelhouse. And so you're guaranteed to fail if you don't do it at all, right? So if you're going to fail one way or you're going to fail the other way, whether you do it or you don't do it, it's still better to practice these things because you're going to grow. God's going to use it to change in you. This is part of sanctification and growing into Christ's likeness, transforming our lowly body into his body, as we read in Philippians 2. And so the God of peace is going to be with you, man. So that even when you have those challenges, even when you do fail, there's still peace to be had. Like, Lord Jesus, I need your help. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm doing it, but I know that we're supposed to be doing it. And so help me. I need your help. And you know what? God loves to hear that. Because at the end of the day, that is our human thing. We really can't do much. I think about the vine and the vine dresser. <laughs> Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think about that on a lot of levels. I'm like, yeah, but I can make a mess. I can do pretty good at making messes. But again, consider it. Consider what we are good for. Consider how much we do need our Lord and then to practice these things. This is awkward to anyone that comes out from the outside to come to sit inside a church service. This seems like the most awkward thing ever. And as one who was an outsider coming in and seeing this, I'm like, this is so weird that I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. I'm literally listening to some guy talk about some God I have no idea about. But this becomes natural and this becomes commonplace. And hopefully the vast majority of us look forward to Sunday morning. I know some of us still don't get it, but for the most part, this is where we come to. 
This is what we look forward to every week, is seeing each other, rejoicing with one another, sharing some coffee, sharing a donut maybe, but more so sharing stories of how our week's been. We're sharing stories of how the Lord has been working in our lives, sharing stories of you know, triumphs in Christ or stories of, of heartbreak because of sin. And that's something we all got in common. We all have those. And it's the Lord Jesus that provides all of this. So as we're here and as we've come together, and as this was kind of a reason to be thankful and a reason to be thanksgiving, look at all certainly the points in and of themselves. Our Lord Jesus and his church is certainly a reason to be thankful. And then there were 11 more reasons after that in that point. The fact that we can have joy unbound at any given moment in time is a reason to be thankful. The newness of life, the opportunities that God has presented before us, that's reasonableness. That's those reasonable new opportunities that we talk about. And they are reasons to be thankful. We talk about an unthinkable peace, a completeness that we all as human beings long for, but only us who are in the Lord Jesus truly have as completeness. We have that. And that is certainly a reason to be thankful. And it's unthinkable. It's hard to understand you. Beautiful thoughts, beautiful intentions, all of those. Again, these first and foremost, I think, are all about our Lord. But they are about his world too. And it's thankful based on God. And it's thankful based on his creation. And then this grace-filled living, five reasons to praise the Lord for Lives being able to live in his grace, in his unmerited favor. That regardless of quote unquote earthly success and earthly failure, please understand that godly success and godly failure are very different than our earthly standards. And it's within those standards of God's that we need to find ourselves, not in these earthly standards. Now, granted, we don't want to be lawless and we don't want to be callous and carefree and we certainly don't want to be legalists and, you know, impose things on other people too. But we can certainly praise the Lord that our lives aren't based on our individual analysis of what is success and what is failure. Because even if I went around this room, it'd be very different for a lot of different people. But all in all, bringing this all together one last time, there's 41 that I counted, even though some of them are similar. 41 total reasons to be thankful, or more so, grateful. Just grateful. Remember, he turns that heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And it's that heart of ungratitude that changes to a heart of gratitude. It's that heart of hate that changes to a heart of love. Maybe it's that heart of chaos that turns to a heart of peace. And so we can be thankful. We can be grateful to God and his mighty works of life. But more so, remember, it all stems from salvation. It's all about that good news of the gospel. If Jesus didn't do what he did to reconcile us, if he wasn't our great high priest that atoned for our sins, if he wasn't our mediator that helped reconcile that relationship back to the Father, everything I said would be mute. Wouldn't make a lick of difference to anybody. But because you are saved 
And because you are Christ's, we have a lot of reasons to be thankful. We have a lot of reasons to be grateful. And we can always have joy in our lives. Dear Heavenly Father, certainly thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your steadfast love for your children and your people. And certainly, Lord Jesus, just thank you for being who you are. You are so different. You are so holy and set apart from what we know uh, inside of ourselves, as well as the uh, earthly examples that we have at times. But Lord Jesus, I thank you for those examples of our brothers and sisters that you sent for us. And may, you know, this morning, may we continue to develop that heart of thankfulness or that heart of gratitude that each of us have and have begun to have, but may it continue to grow and may it continue to develop. Lord Jesus, you are the one who is able to do this. And we find ourselves complete. We find ourselves at peace. We find ourselves in shalom because of your amazing atoning work and your desire to have us be a people for your own possession. And so, Lord, we rejoice in that. May our hearts be willing to be transformed and may we continue to be able to lead lives that are for your kingdom and your glory rather than our own little kingdoms and our own glory. So use us well, Lord Jesus. Continue to sanctify us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.